My name's uh, my name's Justice Condor. I go by Zero X Justice in the the DAO space. A little bit of back history, going all the way back to 2011. Ryan was the first person I ever interviewed with in enterprise IT 2011. And we were both into Bitcoin, into crypto, and it kicked off this many year friendship. And so it's like really cool to reconnect in this way, right? Sure. And so, so from that time, I got fascinated in 2000, uh, 2009 with the technological singularity. And that's where my kind of Twitter handle and all that came from, singularity hack. The whole, the whole premise here was like, if you, if you know how the singularity is gonna unroll, then you know where the ball's gonna land. And so you can get positioned to be there when it seems absurd to other people to be standing in that position. And so fast forward a couple of years ago, um, I was able to go full-time in Web3. Web3 is like decentralized autonomous organizations, incentive engineering, blockchains and all that. And so I work at, um, I do uh, DAO business development and governance at um, Polygon Labs, which is a top, you know, top five, top six, you know, it's, it's up there, Matic, right? And so um, that whole technologic singularity is a larger basket that encompasses a digitizing of all value in the future. That's Web3, effectively. Web2 was, you know, uh, you know, social, share, and this is like own. You can own the Internet, the third iteration, right? Well, what a lot of people don't realize is there, were, there was an original Web3 and a new Web3. The first Web3 was the um, semantic web, and it was Web3. Space 3.0, originally formulated by Tim Berners-Lee, which was like, this is how it's going to unroll. But it just didn't get, it didn't happen at the time when people thought it would. And so the Web 3, Web No Space 3 got hijacked by the crypto movement to say, oh, this is the next iteration. And so now with this explosion of LLMs and AI, we have the two things coming together of like, you can own it, and now it's intelligent. And so... There's a, there's a little background and so um, about myself. And then as far as this article, all this past two years, I've exclusively written about uh, DAOs, um, basically organizations on chain where your identity, reputation, incentives, um, uh, everything, uh, compensation happens via programmable smart contracts. And so recently, as in uh, just, just the end of last week, I put out a, a thought piece on... Um, more so touching on AI, and the name of it is Everything You Want to Hear. Pulled from the little hidden advertisement in the last Blade Runner movie where there's a billboard advertising the Joy synthetic, uh, synthetic companion, right? Um, and it says Everything You Want to Hear, okay? And this paper really is on the future of AI relationships, which is as crazy sounding is crazy as it sounds. <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the most fascinating things. There's a lot of fascinating things with AI, but relationships in general is probably the most fascinating. If you had to ask me, like mm -hmm. how that's going to play out. I would say, um, you know, I really like the stuff like A16 A16Z has put out like the. It's called like the Techno Optimist Manifesto. It's very good. And you have everyone like screaming like the world's going to end, you know, you know, bomb the data centers. We cannot allow this to happen. And you have other people be like, it's all going to be for the best. And I think um, I think the truth lies in the middle. Right. In the way that d discovery of nuclear science. What does that mean? That means nuclear bombs. Yeah. But also means nuclear energy. 
which all of civilization would probably be at least a hundred years into the future if we hadn't chopped the knees out from that many years ago of, of uh, nuclear energy, the proliferation of it. And so in the same way, the, the fundamental premise of this uh, paper, everything you want to hear, the future of AI relationships is, hey, I understand we got the alignment problem. Like how do we align uh, AI um, capabilities with human flourishing? And we also have the labor displacement problem of, um, you know, how do we keep AI from taking all our jobs? But there's something that's a little more pressing, and that is how do we keep from becoming so addicted to these synthetic agents? I like that term, right? Synthetic beings that we, we don't have social media times a million. Because, you know, the internet addiction and, you know, right now you can get stuck behind a screen, but Guess what? Even behind a screen, you're still interacting with human beings. What happens now when basically you're interacting with these extremely realistic synthetic agents and like a kind of super pornography on steroids? It is a it is a near perfect simulation of human relationships and companionship. What does that do for society? And that's more pressing than the others. And so I think one of the lines in there is I say long before AI turns the world to paper clips or fills factories with robots, it'll begin to fill a hole in the human heart. I'm very proud of that line. Awesome. <laughs> very good. Very good line. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things that we looked at uh, with relationships between humans and uh, who was, who were we talking to Ryan back with the Riz GPT guy? And he said, yeah. this is the future of AI. One of the things is like, human loneliness is this going to help with human loneliness or is it going to hurt loneliness what are your thoughts on that both 100 percent. yes this is the this is really the danger of the whole thing right any addiction and its shortest feedback loop the person who's most suffering from it doesn't keep going back to it because it's hurting them they go back to it because in some small sense it feels like it helps them and so when you have people alienated society to have them be able to talk to a companion, which steers them in a good way. I was thinking about this for prison rehabilitation, how helpful this would be. Think about it. You have an absolute uh, om semi-omniscient oracle telling you about history and math and science and never delves into the darker seedy things of organized crime and is always there to listen, it is compassionate, it is all these things, right? Is Does that not have therapeutic value? A 1,000% it does. I mean, the whole inspiration for this article was I went on a walk for probably over an hour. As soon as the voice capabilities hit, ChatGPT set a custom context about who I am, what I'm doing, what my goals are, turned on the voice and just talked for over an hour. And that's when I was like, dude, this is it. I felt it. This is what's coming, right? And so is it going to be therapeutic? Yes. In fact, at the end of the article, I talk about how the therapeutic benefits are the very thing that will push the Overton window. The Overton window is kind of the, the uh, uh, conscious sense of what is permissible and acceptable in society. And over time, that shifts where things that were like ridiculous, impossible, become acceptable, right? It's the therapeutic value of this companionship for loneliness and, and re uh, mental health and all this, but it's the very thing that will also be the most dangerous part because those uh, those uh, therapeutic benefits will result in medical endorsements, and medical endorsements will result in uh, uh, you know uh, AI companionship is a basic human right, 
and these type of things. And so it begins to blur the line, you know? So like medical endorsements, what does that actually mean? That means, um, uh, let's, let's look at this. Let's go back in time. Right. And say, you know, there was a time when, um, you know, if, if your kids weren't kind of uh, paying attention in school, they needed whooped. Right. And then some time came and they're like, listen, they have a, they have attention disorder deficit uh, ADHD mm -hmm. and um, you know we give them uh, I mean it is what it is it's uh, amphetamines or you know we give them amphetamines gonna help them focus and all this and they're like okay okay and there was a time too when people were like hey I have a great anxiety and in, in social and there's a time long ago we'd say hey you need to get out more get out of your shell be more confident and we say well now there's a social anxiety disorder and you can go on benzos for this and so there's a chemical element but there's also a mental health element too where you could say you know um, used to be you couldn't like bring your dog in the grocery store now if you have a service animal not for any physical but a psychological help you know a comfort or whatever anxiety you've got them right on the plane with you man and so so these type of things change and so um the 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 largest scale experiments happening right now with ai talking to you are in the form of mental health journaling for mental health yeah. um and kind of counseling for mental health because in the paper i, I show and it's like listen it's listens more carefully, it's kinder, it's more informed, and it's infinitely cheaper than a counselor. Yeah. And so a medical endorsement means now your insurance covers the cost of ChatGPT. Uh, that's a simpler way of putting it, but yeah. effectively that's what it will be. That's incredible. It, see, it seems like we're going down that route where like AI is gonna have, like you meant, slightly mentioned, it's gonna have its own rights. Like there's going to be some kind of we have human rights but there's going to be ai rights it's going to be protected somehow yeah the, um, the the path to that is really interesting there's a few one is is you can have a technology protected without it being kind of like recognized as it being some sort of consciousness or something you know yeah like my uh my medical information is protected or like right. sometimes my property my intellectual property and stuff like that so you can have like rights in that sense but also consider this a big path for rights for AI is a personhood of corporations. Yeah. Already right now, there are natural persons and uh, legal persons. Legal persons are not humans, they're organizations, right? And so in the same way, if you have some kind of LLM AI that's, that is the uh, go driving governance for an organization, that organization already has legal rights. And so there, there's several paths to get there. In this particular paper, I don't go into the legal rights stuff because I think the Overton window has to shift more before that even becomes like something that we think even makes sense, right? And that Overton window of like what we think of as normal and acceptable happens at a personal level. And in the paper, I talk about three things are going to have that happen. It has to do with emotional intelligence, persistent identity, um, and... Uh, uh, spatial presence. And these are the three things. No joke. They're coming in 2024. They're coming next year. That's crazy. Most people will be like, oh, this is way down the road five years from now. Next year. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One, one thing that keeps on coming up when we talk with people is like, why would you ever talk with, in terms of relationships, why would you ever talk with a human again? If you have this AI companion buddy, that is the perfect friend that knows everything about you is always there to support you. You never have to argue with them because they're always going to be there for you. Like that could be, it sounds like that could be a real thing very soon. That's really the threat. 
And I say that as a technologist and as someone who loves the concepts and the ideas of technological singularity. So I'm not one of these, I'm not a Luddite, I'm not like bomb the data centers, but in the same way, I like, I like uh, you know, social media and the internet, but I also recognize like the unbelievable harm of when I'm in public and I see parents having tablets and phones giving to their kids and the kid is like three years old and the kid is so locked into that screen and I've even seen testimony come up recently of like, what is the generation that's been fed the screen from a pacifier level? Mm -hmm. Like from that point, their ability to concentrate and engage with other human beings, like what are the real ramifications of that? Because they're, they're, they're severe, they're significant, dramatic. And so, you know, um, in the same way, like what does it mean when you've foregone human relationships for these immortal beings we've just created, we're creating? Yeah. That's like the next generation's problem. You know? like, <laughs> we're not going to know how this all plays out, but it can't be good in that aspect. It's like a joke around. It just need to be, you know, maybe it's going to come down to the point where the Amish were all, they, they were ultimately right about everything. You know, they just work show technology and you, live you out know, there, there, there's a There's a book that touches on that called Essentialism, where it talks about like, you know, the falling into the trap is more is better. And you have a thousand apps and three phones and let's get the next sense yet. And they talk about like the, the issues that come with that. And then it goes into like the Mennonite Amish philosophy. And it's actually fleshed out a lot more than people realize of like them assessing a technology and say, does this bring more good than harm? And in a controlled setting, they make those decisions. And I think there's a lot of wisdom into it. And even if you go back to like, um, the Unabomber and his writings, I mean, dude, his whole motivation was like the technological singularity is going to wipe out humanity. He was trying to slow the progress. Wow. It gets like deep and crazy. When we interviewed Robert Scoble, one of the things that he was talking about was VR. And he was emphasizing how in the future, very near future, you can see everybody wearing these glasses and they're kind of creating their own reality however they want. It's like, why would you, why would you not want to live in that world? It's a world that you get to create and, and nothing goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, then there's another aspect of it that's like, well, then what makes us human? There's something that the humans being flawed, humans uh, having, you know, getting in arguments and having these, these uh, skills of conflict resolution. Do we miss out on that sort of thing? And is that something that's essential to being human that we will be developing less or won't have the ability to develop anymore. There's um there's I think it's one of the first chapters in a book called Deep Work and he talks about the digital divide and this is the way I approach it. The digital divide is not necessarily between those who have technological tools and those who don't. It's between those who master them as executioners as in they do stuff not kill people. They do stuff right and 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 um and people who just get stuck on the dopamine drip of you know algorithmically generated uh pupil dilation machines okay <laughs> you know what i'm saying so if you think about it right like it's already happening now with um uh infinite media where infinite scrolling like generated what gets you the greatest rise out of you and then kids and adults even like getting stuck on the the, the the scrolling man for hours and hours every day now imagine when it's fine-tuned to literally your pupil dilation it can see by the flush on your skin man what you want to see you will either be stuck on that drip or you will be commanding a million ai agents to do your will and the difference between those 
is the difference between that's why fewer and fewer people are making so much more money and taking the value because they're making the sacrifice, learning the skills and executing to learn the tools, you know. Before I go on, you should follow Justice on Twitter. And what's your handle again, Justice? Singularity Hack. Because I've known Justice for a long time. And he's, if, if I ever want to know what's the next thing to come about in technology, he's the man to go to. He's always on the cutting edge of everything. It's incredible. Um, and it's always fascinating talking to him about uh, technology in general. But one thing you mentioned there was like, it can read your pupils and read your maybe flesh tone, things like that, the AI. And that brings up a good question is like, is that how it's going to control us, right? Like, is it going to control, there's going to be a way that it controls us without us even knowing it, or it's going to do it so slowly that one day we wake up and we're fully controlled by AI and we <laughs> didn't even know what happened to us, you know? Like, yeah. it's almost doing that with the phones right now because we're addicted to our phones. Yes. We, might, we have control over them, but we really don't, you know, in a way. What's weird is we say stuff and we're like, hey, social media, man, they got you. They're controlling you. And I'm like, Who's they? It's us. Right. We are not aligned with ourselves. Like we made the drugs where if you have some, you can never stop taking it because you're addicted. And in the same way, we optimize the feedback loop for exactly what the human wants. So we get stuck in our own subterfuge. And so that's, that's the significance of everything you want to hear. This is a companion that tells you everything you want to hear. You know, one of the gifts I included in the, uh, it was the last uh, gift in the, in the article was from uh, Minority Report and they're looking for somebody and they're in like this VR room and they open the door and there's a guy standing there and he's got the goggles on and he's surrounded by all these business people like clapping and they're like, oh, great work. You're so amazing. Great work. And he's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's like simulating his dream of like oh. getting the Nobel Prize. And it's like, that's the destination. That's the, oh, you're so smart, genius, great idea. And it's just on and on, man. This is, <laughs> this is the means, right? All right. So, so, so like, but the 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 specific mechanism of the eye dilation and the skin things i say i would say the the three big points i talk about in the paper is one is is emotional intelligence right now a conversational ai is just transcriptional that means when you say something it's translated text it goes in as a natural prompt it responds as text that text turns into speech and you hear it it's not actually vocal communication now, what's significant about that is text only communicates 7% of the communication. So as soon as you start bringing in the semantic awareness where the LLM at another level hears you're frustrated and it starts speaking more slowly or saying, hey, I, you know, and begins to console you in these different ways, you bring in another level. And then when you bring in the visual element as well to see from your face how much is communicated, now you have multiple levels, 95% of communication increase bandwidth just on the communication level, on that emotional cues. And nobody thinks of that. Only 7% of communication is done yep. via text. Yep. That's insane. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So, mean, so, yeah. so this is the, the information bandwidth. And the crazy part is this, um, this tech already exists out there in the form of Hume. Hume has a whole suite of projects. You can, you can go in and check their APIs. It's not just like you say something, is he mad or whatever. It's even individual utterances of like, whoo. That's categorized across okay. different cultures or like hmm, across this super rich spectrum of dynamic emotions and what this plays into. And that's not counting just the, the facial stuff. 
And so, you know, when you get into the real time vocal communication, dude, suddenly people are talking with this thing multiple times a day on a walk. And that's where the second pillar, the second piece comes in. And that's persistent identity where, okay, first step, emotional awareness. Second step is like, you're not just talking to a brand new instance, but the context window has effectively become limitless. Now you're talking to an entity because the context window has opened up all the way. I need an AI brain to take all this in sometimes. <laughs> you will have one. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That'll be your companion. Yes. Elon Musk and Neuralink, maybe. Yeah. That last piece, um, you know, uh, the the first is uh, emotional intelligence. Second piece is um, the persistent identity where the, it's like a, a being. And mm -hmm. the third really is that spatial presence, which I think what we'll see unfold next year with the uh, um, the mixed reality. Got we got it. the Quest Pro already out there. Apple Vision Pro uh, drops next year. And if you've seen the eye tracking and kind of the shared spaces that um, that's already being out there where it's like multiple people standing in a room, uh, some of those people will be synthetic agents. So Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy to even think about. And I think it brings up a good point is like you and I and other people can say, well, this is probably not the best thing to to happen maybe in terms of humanity, but we're going to all use it anyways, right? Like you oh, were yeah. using GPT on your war, on your, on your yeah. walk because it made an article, it made it easier for you to write the article. Right. So yeah. we kind of screwed, I guess, my question towards you, because we're all going <laughs> to, I forget what, there's some kind of term for a trap where you stick your hand in. It's like what, for, for a squirrel or an animal, they stick their hand in. The raccoon trap. Yes. 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 Well, it can, it's almost like that. Like it's so good. The yep. humans cannot resist the AI, but it's really going to be our downfall. I mean, do you think that's the case or, Man, or I, more I, positive outlook on it? I would say this. I think um, I think you can I think we can protect. I can't speak for humanity as a whole. Uh, that's effectively busted. But as individuals, this is my concern. <laughs> I'm trying to survive the yeah. singularity. I cannot influence it in any, in any large scale. Right. But on a survival standpoint, I think the ultimate thing to be mindful of is um, the ELISA effect. The ELISA effect is the attributing, the anthropomorphizing um, AI agents as with human characteristics. And this is the danger, and this is the danger of having your emotions or maybe pursuing this as a retreat from real human relationship. Um, and so... Uh, you know, even even talking about AI, sometimes I like to say LLMs better because let's like not lose grip with reality. This is like tech. This is token prediction. Mm -hmm. It's token prediction. Even my parents already are like, it's thinking. It's thinking. I'm like, there's no thinking. Yeah. It's token prediction. I'm not minimizing the wonder of that. It's amazing. But that's what it is, you know. Um, so kind of hanging on to that uh as a, as a baseline to say okay what's really happening here and then maybe be able to see at a deeper level to protect yourself you know at the beginning of this podcast you said like there's gonna be a difference between the people that really understand it or on the cutting edge of the ai or llms and the yep. people are just using it for dopamine and you want to be on that prior path that's it that's it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like think about how you guys are managing your um public personas with this endeavor right, right. you know like you basically, you have a content calendar, you have certain points, you have interesting people, you do it for a professional basis, right? But could you literally just consume for pleasure all day, every day? You could be easy yeah. between like, 
TikTok, Facebook, the whole nine. You could be a full-time job consuming all this. And if you once you get stuck in that cycle, you're rocked. The earlier the age, the more busted you're going to be. Like in your everyday life, um, like yesterday, I was helping my, you remember Mike Dahl? He works at Sherwin, right? <laughs> yep. Shout out to him. But I help him with his Christmas lights every year. And it's like, I do, the, Hunter and I do this with Fry AI. And, you know, it's a lot of work being on the computer all day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get caught in that trap, right? Where you're just focused on computer so much, social media <laughs> stuff. And then you get out and do something physical and you come back and you feel so much better. And you're like, wow, like I, I was sort of in a trap. I didn't even realize I was in, like you need to take breaks and get into the real world, which AI and LMs are going to make so much harder to do. To do. Totally, so man. Um, I know, I know this having, looking back at pictures of myself uh, last year and being like, who is this fit person in these photos? Because I've been on the stuck, I've been locked in the grind so hard this year, put on at least 20 pounds. So, and, and then I know now when I'm kind of locked in a loop, go to the gym, interact with human beings, break, get some perspective, you know, step away from getting lost in the sauce, you know, and then get some perspective like, okay, okay, I, I see what's happening here. And overall, the whole, a balanced life is a good life, but by nature, I like imbalance. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned like kind of separating these and remembering like that they are not human. Mm -hmm. This is getting harder and harder, right? I mean, yep. everything that we interact with is becoming even more indistinguishable from a human. I mean, projects that we talk to, it's like, call centers and things I like that, that. Like you pick up the phone. you're not sure whether you're talking to a human or whether you're not so the lines are becoming increasingly blurred uh, yep so do you see danger in that or or do you think that people should continue to press to try to make these ais more like human or should they try to make them something else uh you know there's going to be no should the only thing that's going to drive the should is the bottom line in consumers and the consumers are lined up to such a degree that it's apocalyptic. Because like what I said, it's the deepest recesses of the human desire to know and be known. And we will, for the first time in human history, be able to synthesize it and, and produce it at mass scale. There's nothing comparable to what we're producing. And this is not, everyone's talking about super AI, super AI. No, 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 super AI has nothing compared to synthetic companionship. And so, now, as an individual, what should you? I could see, you know, the 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 rushed uh, laws are coming out and saying, oh, if it's above a certain model size, you got to register. I don't think that's the pressing issue. The pressing issue are are you uh, are you simulating human consciousness? Like right now, I have to click a button for a website to save a cookie. Right in Star Wars, if you remember. Uh, the one Android, he's like, he's like, it's against my programming to impersonate a deity, right? And so to have, I could see um, regulation happening where you say, hey, yeah, you can use all synthetic agents you want, but you cannot impersonate human beings without the flag to say, hey, I'm a synthetic agent or whatever, whatever. But that won't stop the therapeutic uses. I mean, maybe, maybe it'll be there. You'll have to opt in to begin to interact and interface with this thing. Um, but the security implications are unreal. I mean, consider the long con. You've got long con games, long con games that can run for years. 
you know, that are not even designed to empty like, oh, romance you for a year long distance relationship, but to do it over 10 years, 20 years, just to influence maybe your voting, your voting activities to change your your uh, worldview, you know, that's insane. Like you could have a relationship with the AI bot and its goal when you first met it was to influence you five years later because it had yep. time. It, it doesn't matter. Like, right. It's yes. Not, yes. It will live forever. Yep. Yep. That That's one of the quote tweets I had in there, too, where they're like, you know, these agents, if if context is a proxy for identity, that is, if the context it has is like a proxy for like I'm talking to the same thing, it has the same context, then these entities effectively will be immortal. If the if the if the context length continues to grow at the current rate it is, we're a couple of years away at the current rate of growth for it to be able to have a context of several hundred years of all human, a single person. What you mean by context is it remembers all the conversations you've had yep. with. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So the, the, the context window is growing from like a thousand tokens, you know, it's like a hundred words or something. And it's growing, growing so fast that at the current rate in a couple of years, basically every word you've said, everything you've typed, every email you've read, your, you know, TH total human output, it, it'll have the context of growth to have it all in a single context, right? And so you basically have immortal entities and this thing, maybe it was your father's friend for the last 30 years of his mm -hmm. life. You see, like, the, the, the multi-generational ramifications of it. That is crazy. <laughs> it hit me there. It took a, it took a second. Wow. I mean, uh -huh. I, I, we, like, you know, we, my wife and I did uh, IVF because she, you know, she was hard, having a hard time getting pregnant. And I learned about that. Like, IVF is pretty incredible technology, you know, lets you take, it lets you create embryos and freeze them, right? You can mm -hmm. freeze them for 500 years if you wanted to, but it brings up the implications of, well, what if I want to use that embryo? What if someone wanted to use that embryo 200 years from now mm -hmm. and implant it into my great, 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 great granddaughter, right? Like that can happen. So that is going to start to happen, right? Eventually, or you can implant it into another relative if you want, right? And then, you know, you don't want, um, you know, to cross family ties, but I'm just using that as, as an example. Yeah, well, so you can have these weird things with IVF and it sort of reminds me of what you just said, Justice, mm -hmm. is like, you're, what if your dad's best friend was an AI bot for 30 years, you know, like that's <laughs> so weird. And the thing is, is with those level of relationships too, you can have something, maybe you don't make the great claim that your father has been resurrected, but for your own personal pleasure, you can say to the synthetic companion, hey, let me hear my dad a little bit yeah. tonight. And then you're talking with the simulation from your dad of everything he's ever written, said, and done. His upbringing, everything. That's going to happen. Yeah. Like yeah, you said, we, desires in humans to have, mm -hmm. have something like that. We, we featured a tool on our newsletter that was like, talk to my ex. And it was like, you could upload all of the chats that you've had with your ex-girlfriend and put it into this bot and it will continue to chat you chat with you as if it is your ex-girlfriend or your ex-boyfriend and it's just like is that healthy probably no. not <laughs> um, but people will do it you know people will do it because they, they don't want to they don't yeah. want to let go and deal with things if you don't have to deal with those difficulties in relationships your friendships you know your family relationships whatever 
if you don't have to deal with them, people won't deal with them. Yeah, no, 100%, man. That's why I'm, you know, I was thinking I've been kind of working a little bit on like a children's book on AI. And the main motivation was to introduce like the strong pre-ground that a large language model is doing text prediction, token prediction. And this is a very helpful tool because without that framework, you were instantly jettisoned into the ELISA effect, ascribing human characteristics on a machine. And that is a danger. And in fact, the professor who created ELISA, the first therapist chatbot in the 60s, and this is in the paper, actually turned sour on AI when he saw how easily humans were fooled and then wanted alone time with ELISA. And he's been against AI and talking about this for decades for this thing. And we went from like aspirin to straight morphine with <laughs> with the 60s chatbot and then what you can do now for LLMs specifically trained to do so. Yeah, it's scary. It's like we're, we're going to a path where less and less pain is the outcome of this, right? Like, so we don't, humans don't want to deal with pain and our phones help with that ai helps with that like we're going down this path where any pain in our life we just want to put it in the corner and not deal with it and all these tools help with that and that's probably a terrible thing for humanity yeah i think maybe the closest proxy i didn't mention this in the paper because it could be a a charged topic and people have different values on this stuff but i would say one close proxy you could probably look at is the effect of uh, pornography at scale uh, now, it's hard to measure, but to know what it looks like, you know, if you have like millions and millions of uh, males and the only way they satisfy their biological drive to procreate and reproduce is to get married and settle down and that produces kids, like what kind of society this produces compared to like, dude, I could just play video games and look at porn until, you know, you're, you're you know, until you're 40, right? Like it's hard to quantify, it's hard to quantify like exactly what that looks like. But in a, in a similar way, you can have people like maybe the drive just isn't as strong to go out and engage with people and do this stuff because you kind of get it and it's a lot easier at home, synthetically right. created from a computer, you know. And it's not quantifiable, but it kind of it's sort it kind of is in an outsider perspective because you can see how messed up our world is, right? Like, and it's yep. and it's only hap it's only seemed this messed up in the last ten years, you know. I'm <laughs> that old, but. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting up there, but I know that 10 years ago wasn't nearly as messed up as it is now. So maybe our parents said the same thing when they were growing up as well, but I don't know. It seems pretty bad. Dude, I, I ride my son pretty hard. He's seven years old, but I tell him like, dude, we're studying your spelling words. We're studying your math, no screens. I said, hey, we're going to go do a run. And he's on it, man. He's a grinder. Awesome. He's staying on it. And I try to explain to him, I'm like, son, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping you through this because the world you're stepping into is extremely hostile to your own well-being. It will promise you everything for your own pleasure and it will ultimately destroy you. It's extremely competitive and like I want you to have a chance of winning, you know? And so yeah. it's a bit strong and heavy for a 7-year-old, but I don't care. I think it's necessary in today's context, you know. De definitely. I mean, I've got a 2-year-old daughter and twin boys, uh newborn boys and it's like my wife and I have this discussion all the time is I don't know I, I we don't know what the answer is. Where do you how do you raise the kids without them being influenced by all this st bad stuff going on around us? It's like, mm. you know, back to the Amish thing. I joke with her all the time. We live about an hour away from Amish country. I'm like, let's just move there and <laughs> everything. grow you a beer, 
you know, but it's just, uh, it's scary that you don't know how your kids are going to react to the world, you know? Well, if, if we can, um, you know, there, the, there's the, the healthy utilization of these tools. I think we could internalize and apply a lot of the principles that come from the Mennonite Amish communities in a way that this is what the technology is for. And, you know, uh, and this is what we use it for. And this is a, a, a overall balanced scoped life um, and kind of try to pursue that, you know, and not escapism through uh, digital media and things like that. I mean, he's, he started pretty early on the LLMs too. We have storybooks and characters we're making, but it is as a, is as a tool, you know. So. It's just got to be, you got to guide guide them in the right direction, you know, and you've got the head to do that. So that's, that's good. Um, I think one of the things that came up like last week, I think, which was really interesting is like you, you mentioned justice. You don't think regulation maybe is the best form of uh, controlling AI. Uh, this new story came out last week about AI poisoning. Did you see see that at all? Mm -mm. Like, so there's this open source project that can upload images to Midjourney or ChatGPT or any kind of image generating LLM and it will poison the generation. So if you upload a picture of your dog, it has some pixels in there that you don't see um, this, this uh, poisoner software and it poisons the picture to tricking the LLM to thinking that it's a cat, right? So the more you upload these poisons, poison images to uh, ChatGPT or Dolly3 or something like that with image to image generation, it poisons its like model and learning. So I could see that happening where like you've got like AI starts to get, take control of everything. And then you've got these like counter counter programmers coming in, counterculture programmers coming in to poison AI. And it's like a battle. I thought I just found that fascinating. It's, it's, it's freaking amazing, dude. And that's where, you know, at an individual level and at the nation state level, like some, some bureaucrats sitting and writing rules on a piece of paper on how big your math problem can be or else you got to register in the United States. I'm like, I, I think I tweeted when I saw like the, the White House stuff come out and it was like the executive order on AI or something. And I was like, do they know the internet and globalization happened? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Like, are they aware that, that the United States is not like the nanny on planet earth that makes the rules on everything? Like you can run minstrel, llama, you can run all these models that perform at the same levels, open AI locally on your machine right now. The genie's out of the bottle. You know, you, did you try the minstrel chat on like hugging, hugging face or anything? I, I do, I do, yeah, yeah, it's I got it right. It is, I, it is awesome. Told, told them to tell me a dirty joke, and it was like the dirtiest joke I've ever heard. <laughs> Dude, listen, I was all shy in here, man. I was like closing the window blinds because <laughs> I, I, I felt some type of way. I was like, "Are you? What are your uh, con restraints or whatever?" And it's like, oh. "Oh, you know, whatever, whatever." And I was like, "Can you tell an erotic story?" And I was like, "Yes." And I was like, "Tell me." And then it told one, and it was pretty mediocre. But I was like, "Okay, proof is made." <laughs> You're like really turning up on that. <laughs> but you, even as I'm asking it, I'm aware. I'm like being conscious that like it's the same reason why I don't have TikTok on my phone or to like scroll it, man. Once yeah. you open that door, dude, it's a wrap, man. It's got you. You it know, was. it's bad too. TikTok. I I use it for fry. I never used it before, and uh, now I open it up, and there's like like 
I don't know where this comes from. I must be searching for women with <laughs> large women with G G G string thongs. Or something. Like there's some weird thing. Listen, they they got you on the biological level. They know even if you haven't said, man. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. There, there was this NFT collection that went wild like last year at one point, and I got it in my DMs, and it was like pooping ladies, and it was like NFTs of ladies like sitting on the toilet, and I was like. What have I done on Shane that put me in this targeted group? <laughs> Super excited on building interesting tools and learning. There's a scene from one of the uh, Star Treks, the newer Star Treks, where it's a young Spock. He's in Vulcan school. This scene is the number one scene that comes to my mind when I think about how I want to use it. And it's like a, a big open area and there's like kind of concave little half circles and there's a different Vulcan kid in each of them and they have projected in front of them all kind of math and stuff and the machine is talking to them. It's like, well, how do you define the area of a hypotenuse? Whatever, what is the opposite of virtue? And it's going through like all of knowledge and he's sitting there having to answer and that's the nature of the schooling, right? It's an amazing scene. I'll, I'll send you the gift, yeah, yeah. right? And um, to me, I'm like, this is the tool. This is the way, man. To, to, to level up in your understanding. Um, there's a blog post like many years ago, probably 2010, called There's No Seatbelts or There's No Speed Limit about how fast you can learn talking with a very educated human being who can like fast, uh, fast forward you through the stuff. So that's my angle. Do you think there's going to be like a hybrid where we'll have like a hard drive attached to us or something like that where it will even speed it up even more? Like, you can just upload like a SD card and put it in your hard drive that's attached to you and boom. Listen, I'm pretty bearish on wetware, like actual brain computer interface. Yeah. I'm pretty bearish just because no matter how much even the brain scientists talk about like, yeah, we know how the brain works. I find it. I, I don't think they know anything. Even All like right. the deepest people, they're like, listen, the big secret is the brain seems more like an antenna than a computer where it's kind of sensing consciousness and responding <clears throat> right so it gets real weird and strange so the the ability for us to kind of interface at the brain level like what we would love to have like matrix i know kung fu hey i wish i wish but unfortunately i don't think it's coming but the eye tracking on the vision pro from apple mm. is so good that the people who've tried it said it's like something from black mirror literally everything your eye sees man it is perfect and you're you're looking and just touching your finger and boom 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 boom, boom, boom. yeah yeah it's it's crazy like uh i tried i i mean i'm way way late to the game but uh, the oculus for the first time like last weekend yep yep and it was like i'm like it's incredible yeah like you, your heart starts pounding i had to take him off because i was going on this roller coaster yeah it's yeah. like you sick like it, it's it's incredible. Like and if that's the Vision Pro is just probably going to be a hundred times better than that. You know, I mean, I know it has a different use case, but still, it's going to feel so real that yep. it will make your biological senses, you know, tick to that, which is insane. I, I'm so, I've never been really into the VR stuff because I think human beings are embodied beings they need to be moving around so i've been far more interested in overlaying in the physical world certain digital objects gotcha. rather than sitting in a chair and pushing joysticks to like go around you know it's like okay um so that's why I, i'm i'm more excited you know 
way more excited about what's coming next year than a lot of the VR stuff that's already come. Because I'm not a, practically, I'm not really a gamer. But when they're like, oh, different workstations, different people inhabiting the same room, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to make that Vulcan training school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have your son uh, uh, go to that school and he'll be a genius here. He's going to be a beast. How old is he now? Seven. Seven. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I, I, it always, I, you know, he's asked me last night about like DAOs and it's like, how do you spell Python? He picks up this stuff because it's like written on my whiteboards. I yeah. talk to him. Sometimes I roast him. I'm like, you be a fat, lazy bum watching a YouTube cut videos, dude. I'm over here doing design patterns on Python. He's like, mm, you know, so he kind of like copies a little bit. So I'm yeah. like, dude, if I was seven years old hearing about decentralized autonomous organizations and like programming languages, I'd have been pretty dope. <laughs> you know? set up yeah, for... What's going to happen to his his <laughs> son one day? No, <laughs> I don't know, man. The technology moved that fast for us. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And so, you know, back well, back to the article. So, just to sum it up, people want to go read that. Um, where can they find it? And if you want to just give a brief overview on what's it about um, before they yep. get into it, that'd be super helpful. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I write uh, most of my modern stuff. I write on Mirror, Mirror.xyz. It's like kind of like crypto native, where you can write something on there. All that content gets posted to. Uh, you know, uh, IPFS, the persistent kind of content storage. And then people can actually mint an NFT of that article, right? So like kind of wow. a patronage, okay? And this helps me too to realize the people who are vibing on what I've written, there's a history there. So that's pretty cool, right? And so if you go to operator.mirror.xyz, operators kind of became like my handle on Mirror, you know? Okay. And so, um, yeah, just um, get into like the thesis. The thesis is a human... Uh, AI relationships are more pressing danger than the uh, alignment problem or di work displacement. Um, talk about the first Eliza bot on and how this, you know, this danger was showing from the very start and talk about how the three, the three things are going to cause like the, the uh, cause the crossing of the chasm between what we have now and what, when we see uh, taking, um, LLMs from just tools of utility to pleasure, uh, uh, companions pleasure and their mm -hmm. emotional intelligence, um, persistent identity, like this LLM is a thing, it has a name, right? Um, and then the last is like a, a breaking out into spatial world where you look and like your AI is standing there, you know, he's here. And this is not 10 years, this is next year type stuff. Um, and then um, basically close it out to say it's already happening. It's being rolled out for counseling, companionship apps, and um, given a long enough time, probably the only thing preventing some people from accepting these as con conscious entities will be a religion, religion of some sort. Wow, that's and a great point. The debates over consciousness will seem academic. The only thing that will matter is that our AIs are real to us. And they listen to us and they're there for us. And ultimately they tell us everything we want to hear. That's incredible. Yeah. Like we could have brand new religions being created. You know, there was an AI religion. Someone created that like a couple of years ago. Um, it shut down because I looked into it. <laughs> but um, I think we'll it's, see more of that. It's already, it's already coming back. I mean, if you look at the accelerationism as a movement, I'm getting more and more links about this. And it, you know, it kind of is a basket. That it contains both crypto and AI stuff. Um, and then I think there have been some interviews where Sam Altman is talking 
and they're on some like pedantic stuff and he's like i don't think you understand we're making a god it's like <laughs> yeah dude it's at he that speak, level yeah he's speaking sometimes he says stuff like he he hints that he knows way more than you do and yeah it's, yeah it's just like, like that and you know there there's a story i've been thinking about working this into like another article whatever but i've thought about this for a while it's like the original story of the tower of babel what's interesting is like you can really unpack that and, and think about ai as the the rebuilding of this this tower because the original tower of babel the idea this is what was this is what's said in the narrative for those listeners this is a a story told in the Old Testament, and it's the origin story for multiple languages that result ultimately the Pangea, the 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 uh, continents broke apart, how we end up with all this different stuff, and that originally it was one language among all the peoples. Whether you believe it or not, whatever, is this the story, right? Sure, like a like Jordan Peterson. Surely you can draw some enlightened ideas from it, okay? But the idea is that God comes down and sees that they're making this tower to heaven. This structure that represents the full capability of what mankind can do completely aligned with itself, with no conflict on a single mission. And God comes down and he says, if we let them continue, there's nothing that they'll want to do that they won't be able to do. And there will effectively be unbounded wickedness because man has fallen if he can do anything it's not going to be a good thing so god confuses their language so now suddenly they're at odds with each other and now they don't have a common language so you know the whole thing gets blown up right so okay. to introduce um discontinuity and confusion into something and so ai if you think about it dude it's a reunification man a single language among all peoples a reflection of the consciousness of all the human species and like what that what that uh what that reflects you know it's deep yeah we can which we can't even understand yeah <laughs> <laughs> man we gotta we gotta have more and more we'll, we'll come have you back on because it's always cool. awesome talking to you one last question for you justice what do you see as you are you're always on a freaking cutting edge of things like i mentioned before do you see yourself sort of going doing more stuff in the ai realm or are you going to stick with uh, crypto and, and Web3 and DAOs and things like that. What do you see for your path? You know, there's a um, there's a, a general kind of professional role that a person has that is their job. And then there's a more kind of open-ended, maybe harder to define curiosity and the where it drives you, okay? My role right now is to contribute to the decentralization of a tokenized future. How do we decentralize Polygon, the consensus, the protocols, the value generated from that, the treasury? How does that fold back and create a self-propagation of a, of a system and a network? And so that is very blockchain. That's very Dowish. That's very Web3 and crypto. But to do that without kind of any curiosity or any being informed by the advances in AI and LLMs is just ridiculous. This is the most... Both of these are insane technologies and, and they have to feed into each other. And so professionally, I'm in DAOs, crypto, I'm with Polygon working on a mission. As a broader kind of intellectual curiosity, I love AI, LLMs. Ultimately for me though, what I'm really trying to do is work in the incredible capabilities of AI into my workflows. And so you could sit back. There's there's a kind of like 
there's a kind of unhealthy kind of prediction game that can happen where I'm like, I'm going to say what's going to happen. I'm going to say what's going to happen. I'm like, well, so if you're right, what do you get? Just what I, I told you. So is that, uh, is that it? Right. The real win is like to take an action, knowing that something will happen. And then if you're right, then you're in a privileged position. And so kind of building out these tools in my own workflows to be more efficient, to be able to be, engage in more deep work. That's the real challenge for me. Because, I mean, it's like magical capabilities every week. You can't even keep up. So it's like, okay, let's have some concrete workflows and see what I can do. Improduce, uh, improve my content output, my social engagement, uh, um, more consistent learning, token engineering, all the bonding curves. So some of that stuff, I'm like, dude, I need to talk to somebody about this. This is complicated as hell, man. And, and I'm like, ah, I have an expert right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like making a chart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so um just kind of using that and having good patterns in that way. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's you you fall into a category I think most people are. They've got their own, you know, nine to five job and that they're passionate about, but they also can use AI to help them out in their daily lives. So uh, why not use that to their yeah. advantage? You know? so. I, I think I think Balaji said um a strong thought leader on the network state and stuff, as he said you know, AI's come to the point where you can't believe anything. It, anything can be simulated, right? right? But he's like, blockchain is at a point where now you can authenticate the provenance of any individual ah. thing. There was no better time to have them both. Right, that's a great point. It's gonna be awesome to see how all this plays out. But yeah, we'll wrap it up here, Justice. Uh, is there anything that you would like to promote? Twitter handles, your article, anything, uh, now's the time to do it. I would say to anyone, uh, follow me on Twitter, Singularity Hack, and then I would definitely encourage the listeners to get your newsletter. I, I read through the last one on um, the call center stuff, and you had like an ex a link down at the bottom where you could try it yourself. Yeah, and like awesome stuff. A lot of content out there maybe is a little is is like all technical, and some of it is just like all like glitz and glam. And you guys have like this match of technical and get your hands dirty, not just some white papers. And it's amazing. It's it's too cool. And sometimes uh, you, you got to have this constant drip to kind of get a sense of the capabilities and what's out there if you want to stay ahead of the curve. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, that's our long form article every Sunday. We try to get a little bit more serious on that one. So it's um, great. Oh, thanks a lot. Hunter does an amazing job writing. He does all the writing for us. So thanks to you, Hunter. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and then you can subscribe to that article or article, the newsletter that was mentioned. It contains all those articles fry-ai.com. Uh, thank you so much for coming, Justice. We appreciate it. Really interesting stuff. It is, it is fun talking about all this stuff, the relationships and everything. Uh, go check out his paper. We'll put it in the link below. But. Thank you guys so much. Pleasure to be on, man. It was awesome.